the growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, giddy up. Wolfpack, this is Fire to Stop Com Center with Drew Breezy. This is the best show of the week, if you ask me. The Fire to Stop is a whole slew of shows. It's a whole pack of shows starting on Monday night with Jay Darrell White. And then on Tuesday, it's Mystery Mayhem with Andre Uplate. Wednesday, Dead Legs got all the news. Thursday, the big show. And then Friday, we've got a pretty big show for you. And then, of course, our show comes on on Saturday. Drew, before we launch off, Drew, how are you doing this week? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Uh, it, here's the deal. Uh, I, I'm all flamoxicated because... Uh, yeah, it was, my, <clears throat> it was my fault. This is the first time I've ever like initiated the show, which I hate doing, but Drew's just like, I still have 10 things left to do, so go ahead and light this candle. And I'm like, all right. And he goes, make sure okay. you hit live Make sure you hit live recording. And I'm like, I have already done it. So, whoops. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I don't think that that's going to be an issue if, you, if you're worried about that. I think we're fine. Uh, I, I'm... It, and the reason you had to kick off the show tonight, my my young friend, is because um, <clears throat> I've just got a thousand things going on. It seems like we got a huge show coming up tomorrow, so I've been doing a lot of prep for that. It's it's a fellow by the name of Daniel Holdsclaw, and he is an Oklahoma City police officer who is convicted of uh, several counts of like uh, sexual misconduct or rape, to be specific. And on the surface, it looks like man, we got we find we got a we got a bad cop off the street, but it's. This is, as you know, uh, a good investigator goes way beyond the pale, way way beyond the surface, leaves no stone unturned, and uh, that's what we do on Failure to Stop. Well, <clears throat> there have been several documentaries about this uh, this case, and it's um, it is definitely not as it seems. And and uh, this guy, in my opinion, uh, is wrongfully convicted. He's sitting in prison for absolutely no reason. I mean, I don't know about absolutely no reason, but definitely. Uh, not justice, in my opinion. So we're gonna we're gonna break that case down in depth. <clears throat> There's rumor that it might be a two-parter, but the reason that I I'm so, as I said, flummoxicated, is because um, I'm getting I'm preparing for a cruise. Like I'm I'm leaving with my family for a cruise. If you're a burglar in this area, the house will not be unoccupied. I just want that to be very clear. But. Um, <clears throat> We are going to be leaving for a cruise, and uh, I have been packing all day. I've been studying all day. I've been trying to put voice, you know, not voice, but uh, other stuff together. So um, I'm just kind of like out of sorts. I got logged on here late, which meant I had to still do some work to prepare for this show to bring you the highest quality product that we can bring. John? It's, it's a good show tonight, though. I mean, like, you know, just because Drew's struggling, doesn't, I mean, we've struggled every episode. We have had some great episodes like have well, gone, I, that have gone down in the pantheon <laughs> of failure to stop. Like, we have had ratings almost as good as, like, Nutty Putty Cave Death, guys. Like, we're, we're in it. I, I'm so glad that you characterized me as struggling, but... I'm uh, struggling. Just... <laughs> the whole show might not happen because of me, so... <laughs> Oh no, it's fine. Everything is fine, and uh, <clears throat> we got the chats. They're they're live and they're they're happy. Uh, you should be watching us live on YouTube if if that's how you're consuming us at the moment. You know that's about twenty percent of our viewership, uh, regardless of what you you hear. Uh, a lot of people yeah. consume us via podcast, and a lot of people consume us via what Patreon. That's what I said. Patreon. You can go to Patreon.com/slash/failure to stop, and 
you can sign up for a seven-day free trial. Look, this is an ongoing thing. It's not like, okay, well, this is day seven, so you're not allowed to, uh, you know, you better hurry up and get there. You, you better hurry up and get there, but you don't need to hurry up and get there is what I'm saying. So uh, you, you can sign up for a seven-day free trial and take a listen to all of the things that Jonathan has put on there. You, you need <laughs> to listen to <laughs> pretty much my platform, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just basically John. Uh, I, but, I'm, I'm actually <clears throat> lamenting the whole rolling seven days thing because um, this came out and you guys were like, hey, for the next seven days, you know, it's like, it's yeah. it's the Wild West. We're going to have people showing up and they're going to be listening. I'm like, wow, I have got to like really hit this hard. And, and I've been working like, oh, you know, no pun intended, but I've been working hard this week, like to put out hard time and overtime and all this stuff. I'm going because I want to net these seven people that are paying nothing to hear this stuff so that they want to come back for more. So I've been working my ass off this week and almost getting killed for for nothing. Because the it, truth it, is, yeah, the truth is, no. Time. The truth is we colluded with America to make you uh, produce more, uh, to put that pressure on you. Colluded with America. <laughs> so, uh, and, we were, and we were kind of, you know, glad to do it. So yeah. uh, you can go do that seven-day trial. It's not going to last forever. We're not going to do that forever. But listen, however you consume us, uh, I, I prefer, listen, there's team YouTube uh, within our team and there's team Patreon within our team. I don't care how you consume us, just consume us. That's all I'm saying. Like we got stuff to say and <clears throat> I think a lot of the stuff is important. There's going to be some things that we talk about tonight that um you know that that are validating in a sense of of what we're doing. I still hope that you're telling your aunt Sally all about us and convincing her that we're not just uh two right-wing uh far every everybody's a far-right extremist. So uh, we're just, uh, look, we're just two guys. We got beards. Uh, I, some of you can't see us and we're, we're just, we're going to talk about, you know, 911 stuff. We're going to talk about cop stuff. We're going to talk about firefighter stuff and, uh, hopefully answer a couple calls. We're going to play a couple voicemails, but I like, you know, I like Patreon cause I don't have to do my hair for it. Sometimes I'm wearing a hat when I'm recording Patreon. Like that's a behind the scenes thing that you guys wouldn't necessarily know about. Cause I don't sound different when I have a hat on. That's a, that's rebellious. You, that you don't, you're out of uh, uniform compliance with uh, the failure to stop uniform but which, policy. Which, by the way, why aren't we like talking anymore? Like we talk all day. Like, oh, did we get all the media assets done? Did you get those voicemails? Do we have a topic this week? This is all like usually like the Thursday afternoon stuff. But we're not we're not we're not discussing like the wardrobe choices anymore. I thought that we would have ties this week, but then I didn't hear from you. Because uh, <laughs> what, what was the end result you. of your poll? By the way, people liked your tie, right? Uh, yeah, it was good, great, or distracting. There were a couple of distractings, and uh, the, it was majority great. But listen, um, I, I got some negative comments on YouTube about it. Wait, really? let me You're rephrase joking? that. Now, let me rephrase that. I got a negative comment on YouTube uh, about that, which means to me, in my world, this is just how I operate. It means everybody hates me. So, no, I get uh, it. One, one, you get one thing. <laughs> And it destroys yes. you. Like, I, like I keep getting all these nasty emails from Dave <laughs> telling me that I'm absolutely trash compared to him. And I'm like, I've never met you. I've never talked to you. I'm not here <laughs> to replace you. You can have Com Center if you want, you know, but he doesn't want it. He just wants to make me feel like crap. And it works. I'm susceptible I, to um, Dave. I was also speaking of the uh, YouTube comments. I, I was also in a, 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 a as, as our friend Abby Ellsworth uh, has labeled my uh, kind of Drew Breezy persona. It's discourse without discord. Um, and, and, and not discord, the server discord, it's discord, like 
mayhem. But uh, I was in a, a, a kind of a, a discourse with uh, one of our normal chat people. And, uh, you know, at the end of it, he was just like, look, I just stopped by to compliment you, basically, and now you're yelling at me. Uh, and that's it wasn't the case either. Um, we were definitely correcting each other a lot in the conversation, but I, I cannot stress this enough. I, I am in it for the uh, challenge. I'm in it for, like, if, if you tell me, you no, know, hey, you got this one wrong, I, I'm not going to engage in a right fight, but I'm going to present my case. And I expect you to do the exact same thing. Um, if, if you're convicted, obviously he was convicted enough to tell me about it. So, so we had a pleasant discourse, uh, back and forth. And, and, uh, you know, I can't tell you enough how much I actually appreciate that. Like we agreed to disagree on a couple things and that's fine. And, um, <clears throat> he's never been in law enforcement. So that's, and I'm not, I'm definitely not slighting him because of that, but I mean, there are just a couple of things that I pointed out to him. Like, you know, the, I'll tell you what it was. It was an argument over Sergeant Mattingly's interview where he chose a case out of uh, Michigan where, you know, this guy was convicted and is in prison. And, and he was saying how, what a horrible example that was because that was pure negligence and we were just going back and forth. And he was telling me how cut and dry that the, the uh, statute reads for manslaughter or the policy was so cut and dry from that Michigan state police. Oh, that said you I'm sorry. You were talking to an attorney from Kentucky. <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, we were just we were going back and forth about this, and I was like, "Look, are you sure the policy is cut and dry, or does it say in certain circumstances this may be usable?" Sure enough, I pulled them up. I pulled. The, I actually went as far as pulling the Michigan State Police SOPs, which are widely available online, and it was exactly as I said. If it's an exigent circumstance, you can do what you got to do. There was a mistrial in the first case. The jury couldn't come to a conclusion. The second case, he was convicted, and the judge went, you know, the guidelines were three to five years. The judge gave him 15 years to make a statement, uh, which I don't appreciate, and I don't think he appreciated it either, to be honest. So, um, we're, and I'm not even talking about the officer. I'm talking about the guy I was disagreeing with. The, the point is this, look, uh, there are certain things that just like with Daniel Holt's claw tomorrow, just like with this case, you, you can't take things at face value. That was the whole point of the conversation with John Mattingly. The media is going to tell you what they know. And sometimes they don't know the in depth. Sometimes they don't know the ins and outs and we do. And that's why we're here. That's exactly why I'm here. Like, I want to be able to share that with the world. I, it's going to do no good when I take it to the grave. And uh, John has, John is brilliant, first of all, and he's got a ton of knowledge in his beard alone. So why wouldn't we share this information with the world? And, you know, John, I've been just talking way too much. You, you take over for a minute or two and, and you expel how great you are. Go. Well, guys, first of all, I mean, it's not just looks. And it's not just intelligence, and it's not just personality. The most important trait about me, of course, is my award-winning humility. You ask anyone, and they'll tell you, I am the most humble man on earth, possibly in other dimensions. Uh, but I'm definitely the most humble, charming, and, uh, you know, I satisfy the intellect and the eyes. I pretty much have it all going for me. Uh, I don't know if you have any news, Drew, but I was actually going to bring up some stuff. We talked last week about 911s. The ass dial's going insane. 
Yeah. And uh, I wanted to uh, show you some uh, personal stats of mine. Now, I know you folks at home listening on the podcast, presuming you ever hear this, you will never be able to see this. But uh, these are my own personal stats compiled today while I was at work. And uh, this is probably the most shocking graph that most people have ever seen. And, and, and I'm sorry, like, to not give you more warning. Like, if you look directly at it or something, like, you're probably appalled. But as you can see there, for the month of May, I topped out well over 100 ass styles. That means, you know, almost as many as 100 individual asses called me on the phone. If you look at February and March there, I came in at about 17 calls in those months. Now, of course, there is some hibernation going on in those months, but... I took 13 today, so I took almost as many ass styles today as I did in both February and March. So I just wanted you guys to know that, like, the ass dialing is still out of control. If you can please police your asses, if you can police your iPhones, although one of them today was an Android, so I don't know what the hell's going on, but everyone you mean needs the to caller? stop calling me because I spent a significant amount of time doing that today, and I need to either be taking care of choking babies or sitting on my fat dispatch ass not doing anything because I'm not paid to be busy. I'm paid to be good when I am busy. So, like, I don't need to necessarily be busy to justify my own self. And, like, how do you justify your ass? You can't. So I would appreciate it if you would just, like, watch your asses out there, everybody. <laughs> you used to call me on the cell phone. Uh, listen, John. I, I do believe, as Christy pointed out a second ago, that this is definitely uh, an iOS update, maybe, or or some type of update. You indicated that an Android called you today. Are you referring to the the being that called you on the phone or the operating system of the phone itself? Well, again, I have a Smith Tech 500, and that's an that's pretty much an analog phone. There's not, I'm not even <laughs> sure there's a transistor in it. I do have to crank it up like one of those emergency radios before I use it. Yeah, and uh, it's a solar powered. Well, no, it's no, it's crank powered. But uh, again, you know, it only has seven digit capability. So ever since the North American numbering plan updated it for nine digits, so that we could accommodate nine eight eight, I actually haven't been able to call anyone. So it's been, it's been a brutal time, uh, but not brutal before that. Because, be, really, by comparison, because I didn't have anyone to call then either. But now it's like I can't. So really, actually, the stress has come off because now I can't call anybody. Um, as far as getting information from Christy, though, in the chats, was this Christy M in the chats? Is that is yeah. that who said that? Uh, yeah, she's she, her humility is second place award winning. I wouldn't be surprised if she has really good humility because she's genetically it's, the same as it's me. in we the have, genes. Yeah, we have the same parents, but um, it's humiliation runs. She's, in the, but she her humility know, runs. The weird camp. thing about her is that uh, you know she's a wonderful person she's wrong all the time like she was driving me nuts last <laughs> night we were in a text thread about how parents of bad kids should go to jail i don't know it doesn't apply to her anyway because her kids are wonderful uh but drew i mean that, i'm flapjacked out i'm about to go to a ghost bed ad read. oh no 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 we're good we're good i i, I didn't mean for <laughs> that to be a flapjack I, I felt like i was just dominating a situation here look this is what I want to show you guys. This, if, if you have, uh, if you can take the, yeah, if you if you have uh, Instagram and you're following uh, Drew Breezy, Drew at Drew underscore Breezy, you probably saw this. You may have seen it on the stories for uh, failure to stop on Instagram, but uh, we got this uh, lovely comment. It's is, and I say lovely, um, just it's it's more validated than anything because it's it's heartbreakingly sad. Uh, but essentially what she said is, uh, oh, I don't want to identify her at all. So he or she said, I love your show. My prayers and gratitude goes out to all first responders. I would also like to thank the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office 
and 911 dispatchers for listening to me, responding to my PTSD-related mental health issues after finding my eldest daughter's lifeless body hanging in the garage. I knew she had already died, but gave her CPR anyway. Trauma touches us all at some point, unfortunately, uh, referring to actual trauma. So I, I, uh, the reason I shared that, I, I blocked out her name. I didn't want to use her name. Uh, I shared that for a couple of reasons. First of all, that really is validating for us. This is exactly what we got into this for. And yeah, this is I what mean, I was re- referring to a minute now. ago. I mean, we may as well. We kind of can retire now. But she's. Uh, she also wanted to thank uh, Watcom, which which she did through me because I, I went th- I went to the Watcom page and I said, hey, I just want to let you know that you got a citizen uh, pat on the back here through our uh, podcast and uh, requested they uh, go to Patreon and, and try the seven-day free trial as well. But uh, we uh, – business first, John. Always be closing. So uh, I, I, I did send that along. Uh, listen, in sincerity – condolences to your daughter condolences and, and, and to you i mean this is you're seeing exactly what uh, or you're making an example of exactly what i've been saying all along these emergency call takers like john like everybody else like carly like you know like all the other people that we've had on here uh john dispatcher john uh they are taking your call the minute you discover your loved one you know, is deceased. Like she took her own life. You cut her down from the garage. Somebody comforted you in that moment. And this is who we're doing it for because they're underrepresented and they're underappreciated. And when you talk about police week or paramedic month or whatever you're talking about, you know, there is a telecommunicators week. Uh, It just basically means, Oh yeah, those guys, Uh, we forgot about it. So we're going to make the other 51 weeks of the year, telecommunicator year that's the point of this whole show um so on the opposite end of the spectrum i got something else i want to share with you john do you have time for it no Uh. i would prefer that we move on no go for it drew it's your show it's the comp (laughs) center with drew breezy and and although i did are we changing it though because now that you're officially andrew baxter because drew breezy sounds better i'm still uh doing business as drew breezy my corporation is uh, drew breezy llc so we're we're gonna we're still and and it it does make life a little bit easier to be able to have two personalities you know what i mean i do because my company's big butts incorporated it was (laughs) was the last one they had it's awful Yeah, it's awful, um, and and you're you're probably responsible for a majority of the nine one one missiles. So, uh, I don't expect you to be able to read this because, uh, quite frankly, I can't. Uh, but eventually, uh, we'll get to it. I I, I redacted this feller's name, and I, I redacted this uh, who who he addressed this to. But this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Again, this is why we're doing what we're doing. It said, this, this is a Facebook post that was uh, from one of my Facebook friends. This email and these emotions are something I have a hard time of letting go. I would be more than happy to post the reply, except there wasn't one. So the minute I saw that, I'm like, oh, have I, <laughs> have I got to read this? Um, and it did not disappoint in the sense that this, it, it, it didn't disappoint in the sense that, as usual, it's disappointing to read because it's just another example of an administrator. Um, can we get rid of the comments on the Sorry, screen I there? I didn't do that. No, I know. Uh, 
It says, uh, sorry for sending this email so late right now. I just need to get some of my emotions out. I've hit a very rough spot in dealing with depression, and which was triggered after a rough shift. I've been having rough days and having a hard time digging out of it. I'm writing this email, like I said, to get uh, my emotions out and hopefully find ways to change for the better. I know mental health is very important in our job, yet it seems like it's constantly overlooked in communications. When I first started, I remember an officer talking to our class, telling us that we're all part of the family, yet it doesn't seem that way. Officers are, for the most part, don't have to deal with the situation solely on their own, where as call takers, we do. I've worked through some uh, pretty big events where nothing was offered, yet I probably should have had some sort of counseling. I I don't know what to do to make changes, but I know it's been brought to our team meetings, and our job is not an an easy job, especially when you have to uh, pretty much immediately move on to the next call without knowing what truly happened. So that's... uh, our, our, I mean, I'll go on. Um, our communication system is broken. We're responsible for ideally knowing pretty much everything that's going on in the city, even though we never get any information. An example would be the bombs located in uh, in a city. Uh, we weren't even aware of the incident until we had a caller that had found a flashlight, and we ended up doing research on our own to find the story. It can be very frustrating receiving calls and not knowing what person, what the person's even talking about, including information in our briefings as to trends or what patrol is focusing on. Uh, I feel could be more valuable. We can be a more valuable asset, so we're all on the same level. My third concern is the negativity in the workplace. Our calls in nature are often negative in experience. There are little things that can be done to improve the environment, show more true recognition for someone doing something good. I know our job is thankless, but we are the ones who are responsible for getting information and trying to make sure everyone is safe. Um, where is that? pick up make sure everyone is safe like i said i just needed to get some of these feelings and emotions out right now anyway thanks for your time so listen uh i would say god you know mental health is a buzzword in certain agencies i'm not saying that this agency is that uh but mental health certainly is a buzzword in some of these agencies John at the moment is uh, overdosing on some sort of pills. He is so depressed by what I just read. I've had it, guys. Uh, we're going. We're going away. That whole that whole long story. So, so uh, mental health being the buzzword, you, you're not truly helping anybody. In fact, you're you're making it worse by saying, "Oh, we're one big family, and we look look, look out for each other." Uh, you know, if you wear a gun belt and you're on the street, you know, I love, it's that I love kind that of, guy. Gosh, I wish I could remember his name, but he's a comedian. He was in Cocaine Bear, but he goes like, "I hate it when your co- when your boss says." We're a family here. And he goes, yeah, thanks. I've been applied to seven other families this week. (laughs) Trying to find a family that loves me. Uh, Listen, I get this guy's plight. This was my job as a leader to hear things like this, but actually act on them when I got them. And it appears that nobody is acting on this. And and here's what I'm basing that on. Um, I'm not going to show you this. I have it somewhere. Uh, hold on one second. Give me a second here. Um, I, I'm definitely not going to show you this part, though, because these are the responses that were on the uh, on the, the post itself. Read it, it said, uh, I, I'm not going to say who it's from. Uh, the first response was, I feel it only went downhill from this. Somebody else said, 
not surprising that she didn't respond to you. She was more interested in when it was time for me to get a haircut than anything else. What a witch she was to us. Somebody responded to that comment. Yeah, she's the reason why I left and retired early. She was more concerned about my break time than what was going on around her. She was the worst person for the, uh, for, she was the worst person I for at the com. Ugh. Um, so it's a common theme with this leadership. Uh, and the, this is the problem. So, so maybe you have a bad communications leader, civilian, or maybe you have a bad police lieutenant who it just doesn't, is disconnected because they don't understand the communications world or whatever. It's incumbent upon that agency's head, the chief of police, the sheriff or whatever to remove that person and get somebody in there that gives a shit. And I, I'll be quite uh, frank with you why I'm kind of on fire about this. They had that where I worked, but they removed him yeah. because somebody's ego got in the way. So ha- have fun with your little ego. I mean, I, I don't need to disparage where I used to work. I, I love the people where I work. I, I still am in uh, contact with a lot of people in the communication. But you, if you want to run a rudderless ship, with the most valuable people that you have, the people that answer the phone when people are at their most, when they're cutting their loved one down from the garage, have at it. Go ahead. Send your worst fucking leader in there. Use your ego to, to guide the ship. That's always wise. Uh, that was, by the way, the last thing I did when I was up there. And yeah, maybe I'm getting a little personal here, but uh, no, get it. I have at it, Drew. I mean, this, this, this needs to get said. I know that you have a boss, John, and I wish you would share it, that you admire. You actually admire because he does some of the same things that, that I did, right? Like he, he cares. He's not a perfect boss, which I've told him before, which we have the relationship sure. that I could tell him now. Like even today, we had a pretty frank discussion. We, one of our employees who was a nice person, um, you know, she's, uh, she's moving on. And, uh, you know, my boss was kind of like just really, you know, upset about how hard it is to hire. And like, I empathize with that. I, you know, I used to be a boss that hired people and hiring 911 dispatchers is like, you're just committing yourself to like a nine month process. And even then, like your employee, you know, that you have, even if they're like fully motivated and a good employee, they're not as good as, you know, it technically proficient as whatever just walked out the door. And, you know, I'm just trying to remind him like, you know, she didn't want to be here and you could tell. And for the sake of the rest of us, for the health of the body, sometimes you've got to you've got to do a little surgery. And it's you know she didn't deserve to be fired or whatever. But you know in some agencies there's some dispatchers, and I'll say this you know in corrections too. There's definitely people that you need to get out of there because they're toxic. Yes, they poison other people. And I and I summed it up like this: like it's not my place to say this to my boss, but I just I kind of alluded it to it. I'm like, you know, it's entirely possible that this agency might need a double mastectomy. You know, and I just let him I just let him deal with that. I didn't say any names. I didn't, I didn't do anything with that, but I just let him think about it because he knows what's going on. But I just let yeah. him know that, like, you can't let the pragmatism of having it be a hard, hard, it being hard for you to find a good dispatcher or even somebody who's already qualified to come in. You can't say, well, that process is so hard that I'm going to let, you know, the everyone else in the comm center, everyone else in the shift suffer and hate their lives because they have to work with this person. Like, 
you you're going to burn out your good people from doing extra work and hard work and they're also going to see that there's no standard and they can lax and loaf about and not get fired and the morale and productivity of everybody comes down and you can't there's somebody in every office whether you're a nurse or you're a correctional officer a dispatcher police officer there's always a bottom performer somewhere that's all i want to say about that but my closing out i just want to say my boss is a good boss he gave me permission to be here i'm not like sneaking around behind his back and i like working for him and people quit jobs or people don't quit jobs they quit bosses and i'm still working there so there you go um, I, I would, uh, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything you say. I never do. Um, oh, hold on a second. We're having technical difficulties. I'm not, dif- I'm not disagreeing with anything that you're saying. Was that, I will was tell that, you this. Was that, was that bees? I, I don't want to tell you what that was. I heard uh, bees. I, I will tell you. Are that, they in here with me? No, they're not in there. You're are safe. They, are they there you're with safe, you, Drew? Buddy. Run away. Did you <laughs> get out of there? I have, I have triggered John. It was either bees or Cylons. Either either way, I'm upset. Um, so I, I just want to say that uh, you, you don't have to punish. Uh, you, you don't have to worry about everybody's haircut, especially the people that you don't see. You don't have to worry about what uniform they're wearing. You don't have to worry about if they're going to show up in a uh, costume on Halloween. You don't have to worry about it. You can let somebody else worry about that, and if things get out of hand, you you've got somebody to to hang, you know, in the gallows uh, if something goes wrong. One and two, um, I, I don't know. I, I it just, you know, I see people goading me to rant, 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 and I I am getting a little bit off my chest, but uh, you know, do your own research. Ask the people that work there. Ask yeah. the people that work with me and and tell me if I was doing okay or tell me if I was a shitty leader that just thought he was doing okay because uh, the one thing you'll never do is out care for for the people that I worked up there I with. I believe that 100%. Never. Yeah, I so, believe that about you, Drew. You'd, you'd be a good boss and I would I would come work for you. And in a sense, I'm, <laughs> I already do, you know. I mean, when you called me up the first time and you asked me if I want to do the show with you, first of all, I said like, Weren't you that guy that ruined that one episode with Mike the Cop? And then you said, silence, you will be someone who does my bidding. And I'm like, I could fall in line with that because that's what I'm used to. Uh, all right. I'm going to leave it at this. Uh, if you think it was all about me, 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 and I, 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 look at me. Fuck you, you, you. All right. So I'm going to play some voicemails. John, please uh, p- uh, put your pith helmet on and your screen in front of your face. <laughs> I'm doing the Nicolas Cage thing from Wicker Man. I'm so angry. First thing, I really, when I got this voicemail, I thought it was a technical error. I'm like, I should reach out to them and let them know that their phone is like a Smith tech and it's all analog and it doesn't work. But then I realized this is, this is fucking bees telling me they hate my guts. So I texted this person back and I said, hey, this is John from Comm Center, your nemesis, the guy that killed thousands of your fathers and grandfathers. I want you to know I go to sleep every single night with nice warm dreams of setting your house on fire and seeing your fiery body spilling out, screaming silently as you go to your brainless death. And and, uh, so uh, I think that might have gone to a human person, though. So I'm here to apologize to that person. I got very upset. Drew. I uh, admire the, the, the Wolfpack member that stood in a beehive holding their phone just to capture that audio just 
and taunt. and they edited out John. their own screams of death, so that was cool. Right. Okay. Here's another voice. Oh my God! It's bees again. Hey, Wolfpack. This is Bosco. I was wishing everybody happy Memorial Day. I'm out here at work turning wrenches uh, because we got other things planned for another day. But anyway, just everybody. I hope everybody remembers that uh, what this holiday is for those fallen that didn't get to come back home. Much love, Wolfpack. Woo! What's going on? Aroo, Bosco. Yes, we all know Bosco can turn a wrench. We love Bosco. And uh, let me mention something else uh, that I got validation-wise in the, in the mailbag. Straight from the mailbag, John. Uh, a very close friend of mine, a close associate. He may have even called the show before, I think. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, he's in a position of authority, and I uh, admire this fella. And uh, he, I've always looked up to this guy, and he said, hey, do me a favor and tell that John guy with the beard, with the beautiful beard, that uh, he did a, a certain, um, he, he did a really, really good thing by uh, reading, um, and the name escapes me, First Lieutenant Ashley, what's Anderson her last name? Huff. Yep. Okay. So uh, First Lieutenant Huff's story uh, was something that came up on the show last week. John went above and beyond. He, he uh, researched it. He did a, a little thing for YouTube and Patreon. He read the story itself. Uh, six take six minutes out of your day for this. Uh, it, it, this is what Memorial Day was all about. She was killed in, in action, and and uh, you really impressed some people with that. And I know that that wasn't your intention. I know that you're just a good soul, even though you hate certain insects. But uh, he was super impressed with that, which means I'm super impressed with that. And it was a very very nice uh, tribute. And I believe that it's probably going to reach the family at some point. And uh, pe- people like that need to be remembered, and and uh, you're making sure that that legacy uh, lives on. That was great. If if you haven't heard it, it was a wonderful tribute. I did it for her, her late husband, her family, and her friends. I did it for Elizabeth, who called in here and wanted to get her story out. And she passed away so long ago, and it seems like it maybe a generation has fallen behind since the those who went to war in Iraq. But, you know, that was my generation. That was, you know, people my age, people the same age as Eric Tanzi, Dexter Pitts, and all those other people that served. And it's important that we we not move on from them. She was a military policeman. She went and changed, uh, trained the Iraqi police force. Uh, she made some indelible marks there. And uh, shortly before the end of her tour of service, uh, she was killed by a suicide bomber. And uh, there's so many uh, people in this country who've given their lives that we could recognize. She was, a, she was in the military police. It just seemed all the, all fitting for, to do that. And so uh, nothing I could ever do would be would be good enough for Lieutenant Huff and her family. That's very sweet and very kind. And God bless Lieutenant Huff and her family. If I'm not mistaken, that was her mother-in-law that sent us that information. Maybe not. I, I think don't know. It was friend of a friend, but I know that okay, she was okay. very close to her. She actually sent me a. A longer, more personal story that I felt was uh, kind of just between me and her, but uh, it changed it changed Elizabeth's life forever too in some really wow. positive ways. She was able to to take positivity out of losing, you know, someone like that, and uh, that's inspiring. That's how we should all respond to that. Yep, definitely. A oh, guys, it's your favorite dispatcher turned deputy. Hey, I got a constant confessional for you, and a deputy that's annoyed with other deputies and officers on the radio. I cannot fucking stand it when deputies and officers just throw out extra bullshit that's not needed on the radio. <laughs> oh, you couldn't reach that person by phone and you're in route for personal contact? Great. Just say that you're 97 at the house. Don't 
garbage up my radio because I might want to pull over a car. Make your shit clear, fucking concise. All right, boys. Uh, guns up, kitty up. Y'all have a good one. It's called a brevity code. Just say yeah. ten eight. Don't Hi, tell me what happened. A confession from Liz. I live in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm a frequent listener of all failure to stop shows. I got pulled over my senior year by an Indiana State Trooper. Indiana State Troopers are the meanest state troopers I've ever met. Pulled over. I'm scared to death. I'm not scared of him. I'm scared of my parents and what they're going to say. I had a cast on my arm and and I started crying and my cast was hanging out the window and he said, crying's not going to get you out of this. And I thought, buddy, if you would just follow me home, you would know why I'm crying. So that's my confessional. Thank you all for all y'all do to support law enforcement and dispatchers and corrections officers. You are welcome. God bless her. Uh, you know, I was, um, I, I, I didn't want to get into this. No, story. Did you ever, let you, you don't have to, for, did you ever let somebody off from a ticket for crying? I want to know. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I, mean I, was, I wasn't hard to convince. I was not a cop. I'm a, but now I'm a sovereign police officer. Well, what I do is yeah. like on my free time, I drive around and like I enforce my moral code on people and I'll like pull them over. Like if I think that I should like have a word with them. And, yes. uh, you know, already starting from that place, I got to say, like, it's pretty hard to come down from that, that adrenaline rush of having authority over someone and like, you know, implied violence. So, I mean, no one's ever going to get off without a, Did, without a uh, ticket uh, John, from me, which is, you know, we're still working in the legal durability part of that <laughs> ticket, but, uh, we'll get there. Didn't we, uh, didn't we decide that we were going to be sovereign police officers yeah. uh, together. Well, we were going to police North Carolina. We were going to, we were going to police North Carolina. Cause they said, and, and, you told me they'd be grateful for our help. Yeah. And we would, we would pull them over and tell them, uh, listen, you don't need a license. You, you should be traveling. You're a traveler and you don't need a license. You should like, we, we needed to be sovereign police officers, not sovereign citizens. Right. Therefore, we don't have an agency, but we're still policing. Like we're not, I don't have come to you with the authority of the Watscom County Sheriff's office. Like I going I, on guys. You're oh, just trying to cut me off. No, I understand why. No. Damn it. No, I was just, <laughs> that's what I was trying to do. I thought we tried to minimize PTSD around here. Okay. We do. All right, speaking of PTSD, we're going to cover a story tonight out of um, the same place where we uh, covered the... If you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we did a, a show about um, officers responding to the wrong house for a domestic, but the person inside didn't know what was happening, so they came out with their gun presented like they were going to shoot the officers. The officers shot them. Uh, it was in Farmington, New Mexico. This is the same place. And what happened was there was an 18-year-old kid um, he was uh, depressed, according to his mom, on a 911 call, and uh, he just decided to end his life in another suicide by cop situation. I'm assuming that's what happened because he actually says it at one point in one of the uh, in one of the the calls, but or one of the uh, recordings that you'll hear. He got a hold of his AR-15 and plenty of rounds of ammunition. He started firing at will from his residence. He didn't. He wasn't like a typical school shooter that went into a school. He just did it from his house or his street or whatever. He just walked up and down his street. 
Um, and he did some damage. I mean, he, he, he injured six people. He killed three people. John, uh, sent me the ages of these people when we were kind of planning the show and it was devastating to read. So I'll tell you, he killed a 97 year old woman and her 73 year old daughter. Think about that. She made it to 97 and she was taken out by this punk 18 year old shithead with, uh, you know, that just decided today was his day. You know, I'll, how selfish. I'll read their names because I think maybe that's. Yeah, something. please. If it's a tradition that we're going to cover this stuff, maybe it should be a tradition that we remember them. And I apologize if I don't get the names right. The news agencies also mention the names. Shirley Voita, Gwendolyn Schofield, and Melody Ivy. We remember your lives and thank you for all the good that you did. And lots of people there in your community in Farmington speak volumes of you. Even when someone in the chats is uh, saying that they are kind of a friend of a friend or associated with you guys uh, who have passed on and nothing but good things to say. Drew. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mrs. Ivy was, um, she ran a daycare or something to that effect. I mean, yeah, just like and, and she had a waiting list because she was like some like, and and I could be getting my people confused here, and I apologize, but like she was like legendary for like being really excellent and trustworthy, and anybody you know wanted wanted these people to be involved in their kids' lives. And like, how valuable is that? All the more now, you know, like people that you could trust to uh, to be a part of raising your children in the correct way, and you just can trust them, and nothing terrible will happen. And and of course, all the irony is that you know uh, someone who something went wrong in their lives, you know, maybe they didn't have somebody like this uh, to help them, you know, was involved in the taking of theirs. It's very sad. True. Very, very sad. Um, I'm going to pull the, uh, the video from the text message because I, that's one thing I forgot to do unless you have it loaded. I've, do you have it loaded? I've got audio of the 911 dispatch calls from, uh, let's start with the 911 dispatch. From then. This is a, a two minute and 30 second news clip. This is from some kind of news agency called, uh, KQ, or excuse me, KRQE. I'm guessing it's uh, the affiliate out of Albuquerque. And right. I'll go ahead and play that for you. It's uh, audio only for your viewing pleasure. You still get to look at Andrew's beards. Farmington police were overwhelmed with hundreds of calls that morning as panicked community members called pleading for help, describing the shooter and alerting dispatchers that people were hurt. It's getting closer to my house. A barrage of gunfire. What's he look like? I can't tell. I took a quick look, but bullets are going everywhere. May 15th, Farmington dispatchers received hundreds of calls about an active shooter. Their quiet neighborhood under attack. I've heard at least 50 rounds here. Somebody's going nuts. Callers begging police to hurry while taking cover in homes. There's a guy shooting a gun outside. Okay, Dad. I hear you. Honey, stay down there. Safest place. More than 200 calls incoming as police say 18-year-old Bo Wilson was relentlessly shooting at people driving by his home. Sounds like, uh, like maybe an AK or an AR-15. And it's still going on. Others describing what the suspect looked like. There's a guy walking that has black pants and a black shirt on and a gun and he's just randomly shooting. Amid the chaos, citizens were helping direct traffic away from the gunfire. There's gunshots going on. Don't go down there. Don't go down there. At one point, the shooter's own mother made a call to police. I have a son that's been um, very, very depressed. 
I'm driving over there. I'm just wondering if you could give me any information. Nonstop panicked calls, but dispatchers remained calm. I'm going to let you go. We've got lots of calls coming in. During his violent rampage, Wilson killed three elderly women, Shirley Voida, Melody Ivy, and Gwendolyn Schofield. A lady in a car, and it looks like there was a bullet that went to the windshield. And she's bleeding bad. Six other people were injured, including two police officers. One victim drove through the ambush to pick up her grandchild from school. Um, her vehicle has been shot several times. She has wounds on her hand and she needs medical attention. Another victim shot in the head was taken to the ER by his daughter. I'm actually at the hospital right now, but I just wanted to let you guys know my dad got shot. I dropped him off at the ER, but he got shot. Eight minutes from that first 911 call, Police close in on the gunman, killing him. Here, cuffs right here. Cuff him. All right, so that was from KRQE. You could hear that uh, the dispatchers were uh, overwhelmed. The important thing there was not just that uh, you had a whole bunch of uh, you know people reporting the same thing, that someone was out there spraying the city with bullets. You could hear, as they were talking, you could hear the phone ringing in the background. And at one point, that one dispatcher says, okay, I'm going to let you go. We have lots of calls coming in. You kind of have to do that to let them know, hey, stop talking, and I'm going to hang up. Sometimes some agencies have problems with you just cutting it off like that. Um, but as we've discussed here multiple times, anytime where you have a mass casualty incident and you have so many 911s come in, you can't triage it. If you think you've gotten all the information out of one, you just got to try to move on. Drew? Yeah, uh, this is something that we've uh, covered extensively. I mean, I, I don't know what perspective you're coming from, like if you're a listener right now, but understand, like, that's pure chaos and mayhem. I, I don't know how many operators they had on duty, and they they received a flood of over 100 calls. And there was, I, I don't know if it was in this news report, I don't, I don't remember hearing it, but um, th- there was uh, something about um, one of the operators saying, Look, I, I got to let you go. I've got to get other information, and th- that's that's unnerving to the caller. Yeah, it's unnerving to the dispatch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like it's unnerving to everybody, but it's it's routine. It's like it's what you have to do. It's it's. Uh, I don't know. It's just a scary feeling, I think. Judging from the size of San Juan County, they've got about 121,000. That's from the last census, and they've probably got outlying areas that they cover, too. I would guess maybe four or five dispatchers, which so, you know, what's the multiplier there? You can't handle 200 calls. And we talked about this before with Uvalde. Um, You know, your 911 system, okay, so we're talking about a piece of, like, technological infrastructure here. You can't have 200 calls coming into the same place at the same time, just like you can't get 200 phone calls from your friends on your cell phone. So a 911 line is a dedicated phone line. You know, of course, it, it might go through the Internet. If you're in an older place, it might be an actual phone line. Um, but a phone line will get busy. And so what happens after that point is that it usually, and this will vary by state, but it gets rerouted somewhere else. So you have all these other PSAPs, a public safety access point, kind of in the area. They're going to be getting these calls after 30 seconds. So what you have is nine, people calling 911, it ringing for 30, 35 seconds, and then somebody in some other county in New Mexico or elsewhere is answering this, and they're like, why are we getting a phone call from Farmington, New Mexico? Uh, every time I get a 911 phone call from, like, you know, 100 miles away, I just, I can't, it immediately throws me. And so the process is, is that they'll talk to that person, gather information, so somebody in public safety is aware of what's going on. They can at least get some kind of detail. Um, if they need to send state reinforcements, usually they'll have state radio there 
or some other way of accessing some kind of help out of outside of Farmington to send that way. And then eventually they're just going to try to transfer the call back to Farmington because it's their baby. They own it. So when you have that many calls coming in, not only can the dispatchers locally in Farmington not handle it, but it's affecting a wide area. And of course, just to kind of sum this up here, you still have all the same stuff going on. You still have babies choking. You still have cars crashing. You right. still have overdue motors. You still have welfare checks. You still have... Nine one one ass dials, and it's all choking and clogging the system. And everyone else who needs help, of course, that morning's not going to get it either. Drew, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's the one thing that people often uh, forget about, or you know, we like to remind you that life goes on around you. So if if it's a, a high volume call uh, call center anyway, um, you know, an active shooter like that's going to throw uh, a wrench in, and it's definitely going to eat up a lot of resources very quickly. But the rest of the citizens still, you know, they don't know what's going on, you know, 20 miles down the road and they've had somebody break into their car. Now, obviously you're going to triage, you know, what you're going to respond to and you're going to have to level with people like, Hey, you know, you're probably not going to get anybody quickly, but um, so I'm seeing here, Farmington's a metro area of about 65,000 people, just uh, probably not a huge comm center. I think they serve like, if I'm not mistaken, like 10 or 12 agencies yeah, it's uh, within San, that one San Juan County for sure. I mean, I'm not sure because even San Juan County Dispatch may serve other smaller counties. Sometimes yeah. counties will have like, um, they actually contract that out just because it can be so expensive to run a comm center that it could be cheaper right. to pay a neighbor to do it. So it's possible. And I would, you know, if someone in San Juan County uh, has a skinny on that and you know how your dispatch works, I guess, you know, get in touch with me and <laughs> let me know. Cause I'd be curious how many people were on duty, particularly during the, the day shift. Cause this was like at 11 AM, you know, let me know how many people were in there handling calls. Well, he, here's the other thing too. And, and you mentioned Uvalde a little bit, but so we'll talk about Parkland for a second. When those nine one one calls started rolling in, there there are municipalities in South Florida that used to before you know everything was changed by legislation, but they used to battle over you know this is all about tax districts and and tax bases and all, and all this other stuff. So not to take you too deep, but there were jurisdictions like that just bumped up next to one another and the County would handle this side of the street and the city would handle this side of the street and they didn't necessarily get along. And this city bumps up to this city and they definitely don't get along and they don't talk to one another. And well, that, that's what was happening. There were, there were a bunch of 911 calls coming into a fire department. The fire department starts rolling to Parkland uh, for the active shooter because they're assuming that there are casualties uh, somehow, mistakenly, one of the officers finds out. Uh, I don't know that the school resource officer was able to call or ha- had the information at the same time. There's there's a whole different story about you know his situation uh, that I don't want to get into because I think he's still awaiting trial. But you know, um, so uh, th- these things happen. Like this is this is you know it's called communications, but it doesn't necessarily mean everybody communicates. No. And when when you're getting information from 30 or 40 different sources and you got like one, you know, one tip of the spear, so to speak, that's supposed to be relaying information. If you don't relay the proper information, people end up dying. And that's that's the 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 sad truth behind the whole thing. Yeah. One other other interesting aspect of this call, Drew, um, and I think maybe you were uh, flapjacking for that, but you mentioned it, though, is that uh, at one point the boy's mother calls and she says, I'm heading down there. Can you give me any information? Isn't this just eerily similar to the Louisville bank shooting where we had the 911 caller call in and say, you know, my son's down there. 
He's in an agitated state. He doesn't have access to guns, but I'm going down there. And the 911 dispatcher has to plead with her, do not go down there. You know, right. Number one, we have no idea what a psychological effect you're going to have on him. You might be calming. You might be agitating, but you're also just a potential casualty at this point. Like once bullets are firing and firing in this fashion, and as you'll see in the video, he's just lighting up everything. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think anything would have stopped him from indiscriminately killing his mother because of every, the way that he's firing bullets, he's, he's hitting people by accident in addition to intentionally. Well, that's a good segue into, uh, being able to watch it. So let's see what happens here. This was expertly put together by our, this is, uh, also from John, this is also uh, obviously from police this activity. This has some graphic content in it. We'll uh, if it. we can get rid of this comment here, I, I can't get the, uh. Um, I got it. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're both doing it. You go ahead and okay. do it. There Thank we you. go. Uh, this is uh, the following co- video contains graphic content. Yeah, so police activity. I want to. I want to say we we've talked about this before. Like I've used their videos before, and you know altered them in the way that we're doing it for education. They do it for educational purposes as well. I don't think that they've had very much luck with uh, with YouTube. I will say this. Uh, our Patreon is one thing, patreon.com slash failure to stop. You can definitely go to police uh, activities, Patreon, because I have become a member. I'm throwing them a couple bucks a month uh, just because they've helped us out. So you're seeing on the screen uh, a ring doorbell camera. You'll you'll see some shots in the distance. Uh, if you can see the there's a yellow house directly across from the carport, you'll see smoke, little smoke, you know, things uh, pop here and there. Uh, but listen to what he's saying. Kill me. Come kill me, he says. Uh, so it looks like a very calm scene at the moment. He says, fuck y'all. Eleven, twelve. <laughs> We're up to 16 shots fired. There's a white minivan coming in to the to the frame of the ring doorbell. Um, we believe this is what the old uh, the the uh, elderly women were were in. Yeah, uh, they, or somebody was. I believe it was them. If you watch as it rolls over to the left, and this is you know not a great vantage point, but it it rolls on the screen from right to left. At one point, he he'll he'll shoot off a volley of rounds, and you can see that the the vehicle is no longer in control. It doesn't have that you know kind of aggressive driving thing. It's like someone's foot it, slid off the gas. It comes yeah, it's kind of eerie a, actually. Yeah, it it is eerie because you know the driver's been wounded, and then the vehicle comes to a stop, unfortunately, right in front of him. And uh, don't, you know, look close, I guess, if you want to. But you'll basically see the smoke coming off of his off, off of his weapon. And, uh, again, there's a volley of shots. When you watch, uh, just remember, just remember, this is not sounds you're hearing, okay? This is, these are people being violently killed. And so I just, I just want you to remember that as a, as a podcast listener, it's kind of repetitive. You're just hearing shots firing. But if you watch this, you will see people's lives being extinguished. He's firing into their vehicle. He's killing them. And at one point, he, f- he fires a volley of shots. And then, and then there's two more to, to put them down. Another vehicle behind is going to turn away. Go ahead, Drew. So it's just kind of a slow, like you'll see a slow roll. Like it's just, it's sad. That's, so you know what that is. That's and we're up to murdered. Th- we're up to 36 shots, by the way. So now traffic is just coming down the street like normal because they don't know what's going on. 
And as we're going by, we're up to 52 shots. As they're going by, he's just picking these cars off left and right like a wild man. There's a car. So what happens is, Go ahead, yeah, the, the red car. There's a red car in front, and it starts getting hit. There's a white car that's uh, a white minivan-looking thing that's following kind of closely. It sees what's happening, so the white minivan slams on its brakes, and you'll see what happened. He, he just gets in, uh, goes in reverse, and tries to hightail it out there. So he's in reverse now. Um, the shooter is down the road a little bit, off to the left. So that that's the red car. It, uh, it U-turned and hightailed out of there, and we're up to 67 shots already. Come kill me, he says. We're up to 80 shots. So what we're going to see is the body camera from the first officer. This is a, we'll call him out officer badass because he was, or he is. Uh, did you? I did because you get to only have five seconds to let you talk. Go ahead. Go for it. I'm at Dustin and Navajo. Be advised. This guy is right in front of the church. Oh, I see him. Can you all Behind the car, sir. I'm going home. Get behind the car now. I'm going home. Good. I have eyes on the suspect. He's walking south. He's wearing all black, skinny. He's in front of the Methodist Church, walking southbound on Dustin. So what you didn't catch was the, uh, the there's a citizen that's walking, or you may have caught it, but there's a citizen that's walking with him, and uh, he starts telling him. He's the, the citizen is describing, and the officer saying, "Hey, get in your house. Just get in your house." And he's like, "Well, he's right down there." And he said, "I know. Just get in your house." And he said, "I think he's got an automatic weapon." And he gets right on the radio and 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 says uh, repeats all of that. Go and, ahead, John. And dispatches. If you listen closely, you can hear that radio traffic. They're in a mode where they're repeating everything that you that the officer is saying on the scene. And that's so that units who are responding, if they miss it, if they don't have their portable on or if they're just waking up, that way if they just missed it, they, they can listen to one person say what just happened. And the officer who's talking says, I know for sure the help's coming. I know for sure my dispatcher heard me. And so you're going to hear the dispatcher repeating things. Also to make sure I got it right, you want extra units on Navajo and Dustin Street or whatever it is. Drew, go ahead. Yeah, it's got to be surreal, and uh, everybody is calm f- given the situation. This guy knows what he's walking into. He can hear the f- he can hear the gunshots. He can see the guy. I'm being told he's got an automatic weapon. They fired the police. See your hands. He's carrying a rifle in front of him. He's got it ready. Now he's jogging. He's getting ready to engage the suspect. Through a nice suburban neighborhood. So he's taking cover behind a white vehicle. I don't don't know. He just took off. White house directly south of the church. More shots are being fired. Sarge, stop right there. Stop right there. 
Okay, so what you're seeing, if you're watching us, is a stereoscopic view of both body cams. It is uh, the uh, body camera one of the the guy at top, and then it is, uh, I believe, his sergeant at the at the um, at the bottom. Make a contact in. Give me another unit to Dustin and Apache. Dustin and Navajo. Right here. Follow me. Right up here by the White House. White House on the lucky side. Julian, I have Sarge. A couple of detectives with me. Where'd he go? Get back inside, people! Okay, the bottom picture is the sergeant, and she was hit. She was hit by a bullet, I think in her leg or her foot, Um, obviously painful. She even gets back up. Uh, and tries to run, and she can't. I, I think her leg is probably rendered useless, and, and, and she she does the best that she can to get out of there, uh, and you'll see how quickly they uh, get everything under control to include the shooter and her injury and everybody else's injuries. Shuckers is down! She's fired! She's fired! Okay, what you just heard him yell was, shooter is down, cease fire, cease fire. Right, so it's the right next time of, you right off of the range rules, yeah, so that they'll respond to that. Go ahead, Drew. The next time you hear someone tell you, "Oh, they shot them sixty-one times because everybody just wanted to empty their magazine," remember those. Remember the chaos that you just saw. Remember that this this officer ran probably about a quarter mile, and I'm telling you, when you're in full duty gear, you're it's not it's it's not even the equivalent to football gear. It's probably an extra 30 pounds worth of stuff. It's your duty belt, your ASP, your handcuffs, your handgun, two magazines fully loaded, one in your gun that's fully loaded. So all those rounds, they, they weigh. Um, your flashlight, so that's that's on the belt. Then on your vest, I mean, you have your vest on, so obviously you got that. It's hot out. It's New Mexico. You've got uh, your boots on. You've got a uh, full-on uh, M16 rifle or, or uh, AR15 rifle, and uh, you know that is hard to do without losing. Uh, like you lose the blood in your legs very quickly, and you end up a, lo- a lot of officers end up tripping or falling over because the uh, the blood rushes. You know, it's trying. You're trying to get blood into your head so you can think a little bit. But this guy ran about a quarter mile, maybe half mile. Um, and after these things, he's giving directions the whole time. His adrenaline is spiked again. We're going on a scale of one to ten, probably at thirty. Uh, he's lived two lifetimes, you know, just in this incident alone before he even got to the shooter. He's got to worry about the sergeant. He's got to worry about. Um, he's worrying about everything. There, there are detectives that showed up. I know that there's discussion about him using his portable radio. Listen, the lapel mic is a, is a luxury in some agencies. Um, and it wasn't until recent, you know, I, I worked in a very progressive agency, probably 3,500 strong. And 
it wasn't until the last three or four years that we started issuing earpieces and, and mics that, that go right on your uniform. Uh, even when I was on the street, just recently when I retired, I still carried a portable radio. I mean, I didn't have a lapel mic. It's it's not that I didn't have one or I couldn't have got uh, couldn't get one. It's uh, I chose to use it that way. That's just how I learned to use the radio, and that's how I, I learned to tune into to the radio to keep it at that distance so the volume wouldn't be uh, distracting. But so there's all of that, and there's all of that going on, and then he still had the wherewithal to you know once you neutralize the threat, hey everyone stop shooting because we're responsible for every bullet that leaves our guns here, and then you're going to see what he does uh, right after that. Do not move! Do not move! Here, cuffs right here. Cuff him. Here we go. Fork to it. Subject is down. He is secured. We need 55. Hit 18. Subject is down. So right after the end of this video, they start doing CPR on him. Yes, you'll see the, the there's a, a detective in a checked shirt. He's he's doing CPR. He's he's doing rescue efforts on him. I mean, that's that's your responsibility. It's it's neutralize the threat, but it's also you, you're responsible for saving a life. So if he's if he's not actively shooting anymore and you've removed the threat, you've got to flip that switch. That's another thing that people don't either think about or realize. Or uh, it's not an execution. You you, you don't get you know. And if you don't act quick enough, that goes into your indictment. That'll go into yeah. that'll go into f- the factor of whether they're going to arrest you or not. So, this is what I'm. You know, I started the top of the show talking about some stupid discourse without Discord that I had in, in in chats. But this is what I'm saying: split second decisions, everything falling down on you at once, having to get everything one one hundred percent right one hundred percent of the time. Um, in an absolutely split second uh, decisions, that is kind of what you signed up for. However, it's not going to go 100%, 100% of the time. It just doesn't, it, it, it's human beings that are operating these systems. Luckily, this happened this way. Luckily, Nashville happened the way it happened. Unfortunately, Uvalde happened the way it happened. Unfortunately, um, uh, Marjorie Stillman Douglas happened the way it happened. It, it just, it's, it's, it's kind of, environmental factors luck of the draw there's just so much that goes into these things but um you know they neutralized the threat here and they went they went right to rescue efforts to try to save this kid now drew i have a question to ask you i texted you this last night i'm not a police officer so i'm here to speak for you non-cops out there the salamander great made a great point this is what i was asking you last night drew now i know uh you know there's always an ideal that you know we looking back after the fact well why didn't we do this and I don't, so I'm not really here to play that game. I'm not here criticizing Farmington PD. Like, good job to you guys. Why didn't they run over with a car? Because that's what I feel like I would do. Drew, go ahead okay. and just discuss that. That's uh, that's a great uh, question. It's a great point. Listen, deadly force is deadly force. So however you choose to use deadly force, that's on you. If, if this is a a, uh, a situation that is likely to to uh, an imminent threat of death or great bodily harm to yourself or someone else, 
You are authorized to use deadly force, and how you carry out that deadly force is kind of your business, but you're going to have to answer to it. Well, totality um, of circumstances, like with a gun. You can't just say, like, okay. uh, I saw somebody getting the shit kicked out of him, so I ran the, ran over the guy that was kicking the shit yeah, out of him. No, like, you don't have circumstances in that case. Like, you don't know what's going on necessarily. So, so I'm, not, I'm not telling, like, people in the audience to just go start running people down as they deem appropriate, because it's not going to no. work out for you. So would running him over be authorized? I, I would say the answer is yes, because he was actively shooting. Shooting. I think yes. that the the, ex, the circumstances were extenuating. Would running him over be a good idea? I would say the answer is no, because you're going to put yourself that much closer to a guy with a high-powered rifle yeah. that already murdered two people in a, in a moving vehicle anyway. So um, th- there are explicit policies that talk about not shooting from a moving vehicle, but again, those aren't absolute. Um, so you've got to factor that in, in the totality. And then just, um, you know, I, I don't, you even hear him on the radio saying, turn right there, turn right there. Okay. Stop. Because he doesn't want to put her any closer to where she needs to be. Uh, you still need some kind of cover or concealment, kind of like what we were talking about last week. Can I, Great can, question, I can I push it as an item of discussion just for like point and counterpoint devil's advocate? Do you mind that? No, go for it. So they're marching. It's, they're marching, you know, slowly into the more and more into the effective range of this rifle. It's it, in my view, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of like, and I don't think this eighteen year kid's a sniper by any means, but to get it to get an accurate beat on your target. If you really, you know, and I don't know what kind of mental state he's in, but if you really did want to, like, if you see somebody, you know, advancing straight for you, they're coming in a line. You know, it seems like maybe you have a tactical advantage there. Also, we discussed this last week or the week before, but like. I think in Indi- the Indianapolis case, like having some cover being better than none. I know that three of these guys were detectives, so they didn't have armor on. Wouldn't the sure. wouldn't the armor of a big block engine, you know, like in their in their uh, Ford Taurus SHO, wouldn't that be better than nothing? I mean, just uh, play devil's advocate, and because I think it would have been an awesome way to end the case. Go ahead. It would have been an awesome way to end the case. However, uh, let me let me just run this scenario. Yes, <laughs> run you. it. I love it, and I have another point after this. Go ahead. Uh, he walks in between two houses or you crash the car near him <laughs> and like you like hit uh, a fence or a storm drain and then you're like trapped there and he just lights you up like the other car. Right. No, that, I mean, that's fire problematic. Hydrant. The other thing is that what my sister said, she made a good point. Like, so let's suppose you advance on him and you give him verbal commands and he complies. He throws the gun down, puts his hands up, puts his hands behind his head, gets down on his knees, full felony stopped. You can arrest the guy. Like if you're if you're barreling at him at eighty miles an hour with a car, there's no verbal commands. And even if he surrenders, you know, it's it's a reason. Uh, so you'd really have some explaining to do. But I mean, like, because <laughs> we have talked about that before. I mean, even even the Uvalde shooter. If if the Uvalde shooter was standing there, just like the top shooter in Buffalo, he he came out and he laid his gun down at his feet and put his hands up. You don't get to execute the guy just because, you know, he, he killed the X amount of people, you know, God rest their souls. You, you don't get, even if it's 18 children and two teachers or 19 children and two teachers, you don't get to execute him. You, you want to, well, but he's, he's got to be an active threat in order for yeah. you to shoot him. So if he's got his gun in his feet, you're right. And, like, and he, uh, he, that dash cam footage is going to look so bad at your trial when he turns around and gets down on his knees <laughs> and you're like, you like swerve the wheel at the last second so you know what's wrong. Thunk, thunk. And you're like, well... Yeah, and, well, and, like I, I could see myself at the defendant's table, just looking at the jury like this. Like, <laughs> I mean, what do you want? He throw up his hands and shrugs. It goes like, <laughs> he killed three old ladies. Okay, I, <laughs> like, I, I got to wipe yeah. them out. 
You know, we we, <laughs> we we played a little GTA there. You know, I don't know. No, I guess it's not a good idea. It's, I would not exclude it from being. I would not say so, it's a bad idea. Like it really depends on the totality, right? Like no. So we can we we can say all we want. Like he, he you know, Silly Mander's making great points here, and she's in in you know in the conversation. If we were just you know at the bar having a few beers or whatever yeah. of what we would do then yeah maybe but the thing that the reality is this you you have to get things 100% right 100% of the time yeah or one of two things will happen one you may be shot and and in that path you may be killed or two you may be indicted Yes, life, and you may go to prison for the rest of, of your prison, life. You know, and, and, and we're talking about microseconds to make these decisions. Yeah. Uh, it, these it, officers it, handle it, and you know what? I, I John, I, I wondered last night, and I like you know they did. I, I know that they released the sergeant's name. They redacted it in some of the news stories, but I know that it's out there. But I wonder if any of these officers were actually involved in the other shooting. Because it's the same police department. Which, they can't be that big. Well, I don't know. There's not only that, but there was a school shooting there in 2017. So you make a good point about the officers who certainly, you know, are psychologically changed by the fact that they had this officer go up to the wrong house and ended up shooting somebody in a blink of an eye. Like, that affects you. Whether or not you think it was right or wrong, that's changing the way that you police after watching that video. And I encourage anyone who hasn't seen or listened to that episode to go back to the other Farmington episode. So you've got that, and then you've got this other 2017 shooting right there in Farmington that you probably have some, by now, veterans working on. And you also just have the whole climate of this country that no matter what you do is wrong. And and uh, yeah. I agree that, you know, grabbing the rifle, you, you're reverting to your training when you're under stress. So that makes sense. No, you haven't been trained to, like, uh, you know, it's not in the SOP manual to go grab a car and, and mow someone down. Would you be legally protected if the circumstances and the totality were right? Maybe. You know, but uh, it it it's 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 almost safer to just say like I I went according to farming Farmington PD policy and tactical policy, which was to stack up, approach the subject, give commands. You know, oh, you're just going to be yeah, covered glad, that way. I'm glad you said that. So uh, because I I actually have been in a situation like this, and, and this is a case that we we definitely need to cover at some point. The 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 optimal thing to do, he, he is doing the best he can at communicating with everybody around him and and making sure they know what's in front of them and you know guiding them in the right direction and all that. But they're spread out, and there are people that are wearing plain clothes without uh, armor. They're they're you know they're selfless, so they're in the they're in the fight with him. But um, th- it does present some crossfire issues sometimes, which is the whole point of forming up in a diamond formation or, fi- or forming up in a stack. And, you know, if you're going to go through a building and systematically search, that's exactly what you do, and that's why you do it. So you're not in crossfire situations, and you you do have all four um, compass points covered when you're looking, uh, you know, or 16, actually, uh, compass points covered when you're, when you're uh, advancing. In this situation, it's just <laughs> it's a line of people moving at uh, it, it's like an octopus puss kind of swimming towards a guy, and it's uh, it's very dangerous for everybody involved. Um, right, and the, for, the you situation, to, for you to accomplish the same thing with a with a car, you're basically gonna have to Mario Kart the guy, which is also cool. Yeah, yeah, right, well, right. <laughs> well, you could have just thrown a banana peel at that point, but uh, so. Um, 
that's that's just it's another thing to think about. I, the, the the scenario that I was in, the guy started shooting. We were in an apartment complex. He had already committed sexual battery on a room full of people. This is no joke. Uh, he committed a sexual battery in another apartment complex behind us. He had moved to another apartment complex across the street, and he was he was actively shooting. He was shooting. We couldn't find where he was, and w- we were just kind of like, "This is a scenario where this is an active shooter, so let's form up as an active shooter." But you're in a wide open space, so like, if you're going to go through the corridors of the of the apartment buildings or the apartment complex well then maybe you need to be formed up otherwise you got to kind of spread out and you got to stay together in a line and it's a pain in the ass to try to maintain that communication uh to try to find that shooter incidentally i I don't you know spoiler alert that guy (laughs) that guy it's not funny but that guy went he went to a house party that's how he blended in that's how he hid he he got everybody to move into one room and robbed everybody he robbed like 40 people and then as as some people were coming up they confronted him and they thought it was a joke and so they started messing with him so he starts firing at them and he chased them back to their apartment firing at them the whole time that's what we heard and um it, it's just a very interesting case so for the rest of the night we were just kind of looking for this guy in, in, a, in a needle in a haystack we didn't know if he was in other apartments raping other women or if he was shooting you know, you know obviously we didn't hear gunshots but it ended in a very uh, dramatic car chase that i was asleep for because i had gone home i was on the midnight shift uh I can't wait to cover that case but is that the one uh, that you showed a clip of last week where it was like lavar bates yeah yeah it was definitely somebody in your family i I just don't remember the (laughs) it's funny you say that because uh one time uh this is a little clip from failure to stop hard time i met a guy in prison and his name was bates and uh i don't know if his name was lavar but we look at each other and he sees my name on my shirt and i look at his name on his door i'm like he looks at me and we both kind of smile and he goes like you think my mama knows your mama and it was just so funny Uh, so I, I, I think this is an interesting case that presents some interesting scenarios and, uh, to include, just remember this, like some lessons learned here. Like I'm not looking down on my nose at anybody I've done. I've committed every sin that was in this thing and they didn't do a whole lot wrong, but you did have detectives that were, had just come off a lunch and you know, they showed up, they didn't have any armor, um, that's that's the reality sometimes that's it's in your trunk or it's buried somewhere else and uh or you've jumped in to somebody else's car to go eat and your armor is in your car and you're there you're in the fight like you're still there you showed up you just don't have all the equipment that you you need like your rifle and all that other stuff um and and they're they were still in the fight and the sergeant had a tourniquet. The first thing the officer that was standing over to her, to her said, where are you hit and where's your tourniquet? Boom, she produces a tourniquet and they start putting it on her. Always be ready for that. Be prepared. Carry that tourniquet now. Uh, I know that, that they're frequently um, issued in, in, in some of the larger apartments. If you have to buy your own, buy your own. If you uh, Look, if you're an ambitious officer and, and your department makes you buy your own, why don't you go to a business and say, hey, do you want to sponsor some uh, tourniquets and do a community service project and, you know, do something nice for them and maybe they'll sponsor you and, and buy you a bunch of tourniquets. Um, that's all I got, John. I mean, do you have anything else? 
No, so uh, you're going to be gone on a cruise next week? Why would you do that? It's like going to a hotel where you're not allowed to leave and all you can do is eat and the hotel moves <laughs> and you stay in the hotel and then when you're done, it's gone back to where you started. And like every time you like Google cruises in the news, it's like, you know, man throws up every day on cruise or like you know, pirates, <laughs> pirates capture I've never cruise. Seen that Hold story. on, I've got 10 more. Pirates capture cruise vessel. Cruise vessel sunk by uh, German U-boats. Uh, cruise vessel lost in Bermuda Triangle. Cru- cruise ve- cruise ve- cruises are terrible, Drew. What I what what, what there won't be bees. bees. There will be no. bees. There everything's sugary and sticky. The bees are going to go out to sea with you. I can't wait till you come back covered in welts. That's what's going to happen to you. Sea bees. Uh, the construction battalion, battalion of the Navy, Navy, by the way. Yeah, where is where is where's David? By the way, did he die? He's not in the chat. Oh, I don't know. I'm hopefully David. he hasn't passed away. David, David you've been here where for are every you? show. This count. This counts as like we need to well-being check his ass because he didn't show up. <laughs> He's here for every show. He also drops like you know. I love David as a person, but he he also usually leaves a super chat. So I'm super missing him tonight. You know, I don't know if you're. So we gotta delete the the B audio. We can't keep that going forever. Which Tansy called me this week just to congratulate me on the B thing. So he said he said I had no idea you were funny. I'm like I have been here for six months, dude. He said uh, I had no I had no idea you were funny, David. All right, hold on one second. Uh, We have a very special callers. uh, Let's do callers. This is Comp Center, guys. Yeah, it's not regular failure to stop. Caller, are you there? Hi. Hey, Captain Captain of the Comm Center, Micah. Micah, you better be there. Oh, listen, um, so I don't think anybody heard that, so don't no. don't worry about it. Yeah, so that was between Micah and I, and, and it'll come out in the podcast Guys, because my Com audacity covered is it. private, okay? It's between him and Drew. Yeah, listen, <laughs> this was a private phone call. <laughs> I don't know why you guys uh, felt the, the uh, that you needed to be part of that, so. Yeah. Um, I'll just All edit right. in some Micah if we don't hear it later. I've got plenty of that. He calls every week, so. Yeah, we I'm got plenty of Micah. I'm sorry. <laughs> what a fascinating <laughs> podcast this is making people listen to bees. Okay, that's enough for bee talk, and I'm uh, I, I am confident that John is going to present a wonderful show for you next week. Probably void of any uh, insects whatsoever, let alone bees. And we're not doing um, that. We, we, okay. may, we may pre-record, and I think Tansy's going to host with me. Do you know what that means, Drew? It would be the first show that Tansy and I have ever done together, ever. No, not ever, because we did. That was that was you. You guys were there, like making fun of dispatchers, and I was kind of there. It wasn't me and Tansy. No, that's true. Oh, okay, as a duo, I got it. Yeah. I got it. What, what as, he uh, makes all kinds of weird references to me that aren't true at all. Like he's constantly confusing me with dead leg. He's like, he doesn't know what show he's on. And then he just starts <laughs> talking about like more UFO stuff or something. Like I have a whole presentation, Eric. <laughs> right. So yeah, he's going to be like, Andrea, when did you grow a beard? Oh, I'm, gonna, right. I'm definitely going to wear a wife beater because I know that fans of Tansy, I know the co-host has to have some shoulder. So I'm going to be wearing a, a Fansies. Yeah, so. we, uh, we call uh, fans of Tansy fansies. All right. Um, 
thank you for joining us. Go to patreon.com slash failure to stop. Don't forget to sign up for that seven-day trial. If you're in the midst of a seven-day trial, if you're on like day five, don't feel the pressure. Just enter your credit card information and let it renew uh, forever and ever and forget that you have done that because you are going to be inundated with some of the best content. Uh, John's uh, John and his um, secret pal do a great Jay, uh, yeah. hard time. I, I was listening to those the other day. There was uh, fecal burritos discussed. Oh, you listened and, to uh, episode one. That's good. Yeah, it's progress. Uh, baby <laughs> steps, John. And, right. So um, until next time, which will be the week after next, uh, enjoy the substitute teacher next week. Uh, I am Drew Breezy. That's Jonathan, and we don't discuss his last name, but he is uh, at Difficult to Look at Pictures on Instagram. I am at Drew underscore Breezy, B-R-E-A-S-Y, on Instagram. Please follow us. Follow the Failure to Stops uh, socials. Like and subscribe. Go to YouTube. Do a bunch of other stuff. Throw a bunch of money in the tip jar. Tell your Aunt Sally. Tell your Aunt Sally to tell her Aunt Sally to tell Micah that if he's going to call, he's going to have to get his equipment in order. So until next time, thank you for joining us. John, do me the favor. Uh, I thought Kiefer was going to call. Stick around. He didn't call. Guns up. Giddy up. Good night, everybody.